But like every day of the Jewish year, Tisha B'Av is an opportunity. And we need to work out what that opportunity is, how we can use it to its uh, best effects, and how we can take an energy from it to the rest of the year, which will impact us positively. And we'll see that that's one of the focuses of the sources that we're going to see today is, is, is exactly that. Obviously, overwhelmingly, Shabbat is a day of Avelut, it's a day of mourning. And we have to work out a little bit who we're mourning for, what we're mourning for. Um, but then we'll see that it's a very different kind of mourning. It's not the same kind of mourning that a person, God forbid, experiences when they lose a loved one. It's a national mourning. It's an old mourning. And therefore, it, bears, it carries with it a different, uh, different energies which we need to tap into. Let's start with some basics. Looking number one, the Gemara says in Tanit, Amarav Yehud, Amarav, Kachayaminagosha Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Eloi. Rabbi Yehuda, one of the great Tanaim, would uh, have the following minhag, Erev Tishabav, Mevin Lopat, Chareva, Bamelach. They'd bring him a little bit of dry bread on Erev Tishabav, on and a bit of salt. The Yoshev Ben Tanulikiraim, and he'd sit in an uncomfortable hot place near the ovens. You don't need to sit near an oven, you can just sit outside, you get the same effect. Va'oichel, he'd eat his bread, v'shoite alea, kiton shalmaim, he'd just, he'd drink a little bit of water, v'doime, and he would feel kemi shemeto mutal lefanaf, like someone who's unburied dead is lying before their very eyes. It's a very strong image, somebody who is not even yet an avel, someone who is in what's called an onen, someone who is in such anguish that their, their dead is in front of them and they don't know where to turn from this point. And it's not hard for us to um, focus on the tragedies that have affected the Jewish people and continue to affect the Jewish people. We are a people with memory. We'll see that's a very important part of it. But you don't even need to have a very long memory to just think of the fact that since the beginning of 2023, 23 Jews have been killed in Israel by terrorists and died at Kiddush Hashem. That's a horrifying number of people. Um, not to mention the inner conflicts and the anguish, whether that's real or whether that's media or exaggerated. Let's hope that it's the latter more than the former. But it is real to some degree. There's a sense of unease. There's a sense of unrest. There's a sense of, of anger and antagonism. Um, we don't need to think about the Bet HaMikdash to imagine uh, Jews uh, against Jews in a way which is oversteps a line. So there are many mesim, there are many dead which are in front of us, which affect our mood today. But there's another mace which we need to think about, which is perhaps less obvious, which we'll get to over the next few sources. Look at number two for a second. Says... The Gemara also one of the Masechtat Ketanot, one of the, the what they call the minor Masechtat. Something minor about them, they're smaller. Um, and it says as follows: Masechet Sofrim, number two. Hakorib Tishbaav Omer Baruch Dan Emes. All sorts of minhagim. People would be called up to the Torah. We just read the Torah this morning, and they would start Baruch Dan Emes, like somebody says when they've lost a loved one. Beyeshem Anichem Et Torah Ala Karka. There are people that would bring the Torah down and put it on the ground. Baschilot Shchira on a on a like a grill, like a black grill, to show the Torah itself has been taken down. I remember in some of the shuls I down in London, they'd had a, they had a sackcloth cover for the sacred Torah. They'd take off the nice velvet cover they'd put on, the sackcloth cover. 
and they, people would say, that the crown of our head has fallen, it's fallen to the ground. But Kyron, they would tear Priya, Umaspidin, and they would give Hespadin, give eulogies. Again, they would give a eulogy. People change their place like they would when they were in Abeluds. And there are people who would sit on the floor, which again is the halacha. We do this today. And people would, would, would roll in the dirt, meaning they couldn't care less. They'd sit on the ground, their, their clothes would get dirty and dusty. It's not a day that I can care. Okay, so there's dirt on my clothes. Why does it matter? Perhaps worst of all, we cannot greet each other. We cannot even look each other in the eye. All night. Kol Hayaman all day, and here's the the key phrase: Ad sheyashlimu ha'am kinosei, until the people finish their kinos. Then they could get up from the floor. Then they could look each other in the eye. Then they didn't feel like misha meitzu mutalafana. So when when is that? I want to talk a little bit about that. Is that all day? People say kinot all day. Well, say no, that's not minag Israel. Minag Israel, the Jewish people say kinot in the morning. So there's already built into Tisha B'Av something of a change, something of a, of a twist, something of a, of a mood change that you need to be receptive to because that'll enable us to pull out from Tisha B'Av what we need for the future. When you give a hesped, when you give a eulogy, who is that for? Who are you really doing it for? Who are you really focusing on? So the Gemara asks, number three, is it for the living? Is it for the dead? And the Gemara concludes, it's really for the dead. You're really addressing the issue of the death, of what that person means, what that person meant, what that person's loss entails to you. That's the focus. But there's one thing that you don't say when you suffer, God forbid, a personal loss. And there's one thing that's negative and psychologically damaging, which is, it's my fault. I'm responsible for this. That's not something that anyone will encourage a person who's breathing to do. And yet, if you look at the whole Pasuk in number four, in Eicha, when we talk about the morning, that's the Pasuk you just, just brought in number two, that the crown of our head has fallen. What are we going to do? It's our fault. I'm responsible for this. I am the one that caused this death. And in fact, if we look at what the dead is, we see, shockingly, the, the, the dead in front of us on Tisha B'Av is not just the loss that we've suffered as a nation, but it's also the death of our own misdeeds and our own bad choices, both collectively and personally. And if you look in number five, you'll see what this means. The Gemara says, Rasha'im, people who make bad decisions. Again, a Rasha doesn't just mean someone who is like completely evil. Rasha and Sadiq, when used by Chazal, by used by the rabbis, means the Rasha is someone who makes a bad choice. I made a bad choice. In this, I was a Rosh. I went against the Torah mitzvah. In this, I made a good choice. I did the Torah mitzvah. That's a tzaddik. But so many things that we've done, both individually and collectively, Rosh'aim, Shebechayim, Purim, Mesim, we're called dead. We're the dead ones. Shalei Amari brings a pasuk. When a person has to give, when the Torah says, you have to give a punishment to a Rosh'a. Apishnaim Edim. You have to have two Edim. Or Shlosh Edim. Or three Edim. Yamutz Hametz. The mate, the dead one, has to be put to death. So the Gemara says, what do you mean the dead one? Kayu, he's alive. He's not dead. If he was dead, you wouldn't need to put him to death. There's Ella, Hamit Mikara. No, he was already. He was dead because of 
the things that he did. He was dead because of the actions that he undertook. And that is, in many ways, the worst of all, the the dead in front of us is the bad things that happened to us, which were our own choices. If you look at the stories of the Hurban, of the Romans destroying the Betzimigash again and again and again, Chazal emphasized this didn't need to happen. It could have been avoided. And the catalyst, the thing that caused it to happen was the Jewish people inflicting damage on themselves. Always, 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 always. The sin of the spies, the first base of Mikdash, the second base of Mikdash, the sin at Chinam, the fact that even when the Romans were besieging the town and there was enough food and enough money and enough uh, supplies in Yerushalayim to withhold for years and years, says the Roman, says, says the Gemara. They didn't need to even, the Romans could have given up and gone away. Don't forget the Romans, which it was just a political problem for them. It wasn't a, wasn't a fundamental problem. The Jews could have withstood it. But what happened in order to get the Jews to fight, there were extremists within the Jewish camp who burned down all the storehouses, who destroyed all the food, who made all the people desperate so that they would have no choice but, but to fight. That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. And that's why Chazal say even small things like Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, the way the Jews treated each other, these were the catalysts. The Romans were just the means to an end, but what really caused it was the Jewish people themselves. And therefore, if we cry, we cry over that. But that's what gives us an element. Because if you look in number six, the Gemara says, a, a, a recent, God forbid, a recent um, bereavement is very different from an old. It's a different kind of vibe. And, and the availus, the mourning of a, of a community, is different from an individual. When an individual is mourning, we should never know such things. But when an individual is mourning, there's no philosophizing. You don't go to a shiver house and say, well, maybe, you know, this happened because of the bad choices that maybe you've made of the family. Can you imagine anything worse? Can you imagine trying to make people feel that sense of personal guilt? Whereas when it comes to an availability shana, this is not something that we need to feel emotionally gutted by at this stage. This is something we can look back at with an element of calm and say, okay, this is not something that's just emotionally smashed me in the recent days. This is something I've been thinking about for 2000 years. So what can I do about it? What was the cause of it? What can I take out of it? How can I do this? And we'll see an absolutely remarkable thing when we get to the the idea of the Ba'av in terms of Avelut, when you go further, that the one thing that you're getting clear when a person dies and you're sitting in God forbid this person sitting shiver, is the one thing you can never ever do is bring that person back. There has to be a moment of closure. You have to realize you have to move on. The one thing you cannot do, the denial that you cannot have, is that the dead can come back to life. Whereas in the Avelus of Tishabav, it's exactly the opposite. The way we move out of Avelut on Tishabav is that we don't do what happens in a regular Avilut where you have the death and you have the Shiva and then you have the Shlosh in the 30 days and then you have the year of gradually moving away. On the contrary, with Tishva, Avram Salavichi points out it's the opposite. How so? We move towards death backwards. The, nine, uh, the three weeks, he says, is like the laws, is parallel, tracks the laws of the Yudbet product of the, of the 12 months. Certain levels of Avilus, but not as strong. The nine days, he said, is like the period of Shloshim. And he compares Halashi clear as well. 
which is very interesting because he, he gets into all sorts of discussions about the shower during the nine days and he compares it to the laws of Shloshim and the people are usually lenient in the Shloshim now, etc. It's very interesting as a halachic analysis, which is not for today. And then you get to Tisha B'Av, which is like Shiva sitting on the floor, sitting Shiva. We're going towards the death. So where do you, if you're going backwards in time towards the death, where do you go from there? And the answer is you resurrect the death and then they come back to it. That's what we can do with an Avela Tishana. That's what we can do with an Avela Darabim, which we can never do with a day of mourning for a relative that God forbid passed away. And that's really what we need to take away, which is why you have to flip over the page. Because the Rambo, when he introduces Tishabal, does not focus on the Avelut. He doesn't. He says the Avelut is important, but there's a focus that comes in before that. Number seven. Yesham Yamim, there are days, says the Rambam, Shekhal Yisrael mit Anim Bahem, that all the Jewish people fast, Mipnei, why? Hatsarot Sheiru Bahem, the terrible things that have happened on those days, Kedela Orer Halavavot, we need to arouse our thoughts, Beliftoach Darkei Hatshuva, we have to find a path, literally, to Tshuva, we have to have a path to change, Beyihi Yezeh Zikaron, this should be a day to remember, Lema'aseinu Harabi Araim, the things that we've done wrong, and the things that our parents, that we, 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 we repeated the cycles of history without learning from them. That's the, that's the unbelievable tragedy, that we did the same thing again. Why don't we just read it? We read it. That, don't do that. It, it's, it's, it's insanity to do the same thing again and expect a different outcome. That's what we're, we're, we're so inavailous for. Like we're doing today. They did this and it caused them. And we did this and it caused us. We brought this on ourselves. Remember these things. We can do tshuva later. We can get better. And then he brings a posset of tshuva, not from the regular places that you'd expect. In Dvarim, when he talks about the mitzvah of tshuva that we focus on for you, Rosh Hashanah. And Yom Kippur, that's one kind of tshuva. He brings a pasuk of tshuva, a verse of tshuva, from the middle of the tochacha. The tochacha is where the end of Vayikra and the end of Tvarim, the Torah focuses on all the terrible things that will happen to the Jewish people because of what they did. And in the middle, it says, but there's a tshuva. He look what he posuk. He brings, et avonam. They will confess their sins. The et avon avotam. And the sins of their parents, meaning focusing in history as well. <laughs> and the rebellion that they rebelled against me, and the attitude, the bad attitude, carries this kind of uh, attitude that they had towards everything that was happening to them. And therefore, one of the things that you can do on Tisha B'Av, which I think is a focus which is important, is learn Jewish history. It's a long day. It's a boring day. Let's face it. And what are you going to do from now till 8 o'clock tonight? So you can, you know, listen to things about Tisha B'av. you can watch movies relevant to Tisha B'av and the Holocaust, and that's, that's fine. But one of the things you could do, maybe not for say six hours, but maybe an hour or two, is learn Jewish history. Pick up a book, look at Jewish history, understand, understand how it happened, what happened, the kind of, and then you'll see, you'll see the, the same patterns in Jewish history um, repeating themselves, and that will give you, says the Rambam, that will give you this focus on the past and the present, that will give you this idea of how to get, how to escape from the cycle. And don't forget, we as a people are incredibly optimistic about the ability to escape from the cycle. If you were a Greek, you would be basically a fatalist and a pessimist because the Greeks believed that the whole of world history was circular. There was no beginning. 
There was no Breshit. They believed that the world was eternal. There was no process and there was no end. It was just one cycle that you can't escape from. So, you know, what's the point? Think of poor old Oedipus, who is told that he's going to marry his mother and kill his father. And he does everything that he possibly can in humanly possible to avoid those two things. He goes to a different place that live and and in the end, inevitably, in the Greek tragedy, he kills his father and he marries his mother. And the Greeks are saying to you, you can't do anything. You can't help. There's nothing you can do. Just have to accept it. And the Jews came along to the Greeks and said, we don't agree with this came before the Greeks, but we brought to the world a different mentality, which was, no, the world is not eternal. Breshit, Barayelokim, it was made for a reason. There's a purpose for us to be here. It wasn't just always there. There's a process, and there's a denouement. There's something called Mashiach, which we're going to focus on a little bit, which is very tied up in Tisha B'Av. There's Mashiach, which is the end. And that's a very different worldview. It's a very positive worldview. It's a very, uh, it's a very uh, encouraging worldview. And we bring that, we bring that in so many different ways. And if you look, if you look carefully at Eicha, you'll see Eicha is peppered with ideas of tshuva. Number eight, it finishes, Hashivenu Hashem Elecha Benashuva. That is, bring us to you and we will come back. Chadesh Yamenu. Chadesh Yamenu. We have hope for a chidush. There's going to be a new wave, a new world. Pick Hedem and it's going to be like it used to be, but not like it used to be bad, but like it used to be good. And therefore built into Tisha B'Av is this constant theme of Hashivenu Hashem. We say this pasuk, I don't know how many times last night, I can't say it like seven times in different kinot, Hashivenu Hashem, and again, this is something you never talk about as a Shev. Oh, do tshuva, you know, God forbid you should say such a thing at a Shiva. But on, on Tisha B'Av, it's a different kind of Avelis. Okay, so let's look a little bit now at what it is, the turn of the tide, the Tisha B'Av builds into Tisha B'Av. It's now 11.05. In about an hour and a half, it'll be Chatzot. Chatzot, a little bit more than an hour and a half, but Chatzot is the middle of the day. And Chatzot on Tisha B'Av, there is a halachic and a minhag-oriented change. Have a look at how this works. Look at some halacha. Number nine. Leil Tishabav, the night of Tishabav, the Yomo, and the day of Tishabav, Yoshvim, the Bet Knesset, we sit in the Bet Knesset, Laaretz, on the ground, Ad Tfilat Mincha, until Mincha. Now, Mincha, you can have an already from a half an hour after Chatzot. Why are we sitting on the ground? And then why do we get up from the ground? Number 10, Mr. Brewer, why are we sitting on the ground? Dumia da Avel, because we like Avelim. Shoyoshev al Gabi Karka Kol Shiva. We're in Shiva, but the Shiva ends in the middle of Tisha B'Av when we get up from the ground. What, for example, if there is a Brit Milah on Tisha B'Av? I don't know if any of you have ever been to a Brit on Tisha B'Av. I never have. I've been to a Brit in a Shiva house, which was very interesting. There was never a guy who lost a relative and his wife had had a baby just before he lost his relative. So he made the Brit Milah in the Shiva house, which was a very interesting uh, episode. I asked him actually, you know, how did he feel? How did he deal with the emotions of on the one hand being the Shiva, on the other hand, making a Brit for his son. And he said a beautiful thing actually. Um, and this actually is relevant for today, I think as well. He said, um, it, it's well known that when the Jewish people crossed the Red Sea, so the angels, the Malachim wanted to sing Shira, sing praise to God. And God says, the Midrash stopped them and says, how can you sing? When there are people drowning, okay, they're Egyptians, but they're people, they're drowning, they're dying. How can you sing? Okay, they were stopped. Okay, fine. The Jewish people did, though. How could the Jewish people sing? God never said to the Jewish people, how can you sing when there are Egyptians drowning? So this fellow said to me, I don't know whether it was his idea or he heard it somewhere. He said, Malachim are, are, are one dimension. 
they can only do one thing. This is a very fundamental idea. They're just, uh, they're, they're, they're not like human beings. They don't have that, that, that complexity. And therefore they're either happy or they're sad. You can't be happy when people are dying, drowning in the sea, but human beings are not like that. Human beings can feel many different emotions all at the same time. We can feel simcha, we can feel sadness, we can feel availas, we can feel hope. We're very complex people. And therefore the Jewish people, they were allowed to sing shira because they can be happy and sad at the same time. And that's actually a very interesting insight I've remembered from what he said. But what if you have a Brit Milan tishuk? Number 11. Im yesh, this is the Levush. The Levush was a very important uh, posik after the Shulchan Aruch, about 50, 60 years later in Poland. Number 11. The Im yesh tinok lamur. There's a baby that you need to have a Brit Milan. You wait till you finish Kinot, after Chatzot, you get up. Because you have to be Basimcha to do a Brit Milah. Kedir Sivan says, which is connected to Milah. Um, once you finish the Kinot, we've already said the Psukim of Nechama, the Psukim of Simcha. And therefore, we can get up, we can do a bris meal. Ah, it's still in the middle of Tishvav. Yeah, but it's not like it was before Chatzot. What are the Psukim of Simcha? So look, this is at the end of Aleitzion. I don't know if you're going to sing it later on. But Aleitzion, which, which is one of the kinots, which is, talks about all the tragedies, the terrible things that happened to the Jewish people. We say, the Minhag is to say this Psukim number 12. And these are remarkable Psukim to say on Tishvav. Let's look at them together, because sometimes you don't get a chance to think about them. Terachem Sion Kasha Marta. Um, have mercy on Sion, like you said, where the Jewish people are davening to God. And re-establish it like you promised. Tamaher Yeshua, may let salvation come quickly. And may redemption, may redemption be speeding. And return to Yerushalayim with great mercy. And we quote from Zechariah. This is what Hashem wants. Shafted Yushalayim and return to Yushalayim Barachamim in mercy. Beiti Baneba, my house will be rebuilt there. Nuuma Shem Tzavakot, so says the God. The Kav Yinateh Al Yushalayim. And don't worry, he says one day there'll be a Kav which was extended over Yushalayim. What's a Kav? So a Kav is a building plumb line. It's when they measure to make sure that the walls are straight. Says Zechariah, don't worry. One day, Yerushalayim, you'll look on the, on the skyline and it'll be full of cranes. Cranes extended over you. That's the Kav Al Yerushalayim because people will be rebuilding it. The Neymar. And it says, Od Krale Mod, as Zachary goes on to say and say and shout out, Od Mitov. The cities will be overflowing with good. God will have, uh, will console Sion. And he will choose again Yerushalayim. God has given consolation to all of the destroyed places of Yerushalayim, of Sion rather. Then he will turn its desert into a garden. And its desolate places, like the garden of God. There will be Sasson and Simcha, happiness and joy. Rejoicing will be found there. Toda, thanksgiving, Bakal Zimra. And the sound of singing. There's a psukim that we read on Tisha B'av. You know, if out of context, you kind of quote, just give someone these psukim in the middle of, I don't know, January and say, when, which day of the year do you think we read these psukim? Oh, I don't know, maybe at a wedding, maybe, uh, I don't know, on Simchas Torah. No, it's on Tisha B'av. Oh, wow, really? Because there's something about Tisha B'av 
that changes um, perspective. Look at this fascinating Bet Yosef, number 30. The Bet Yosef, who, you know, goes on, uh, this is in the halachas of Tisha B'Av, and he brings down a minhag, which he doesn't like, but uh, somehow or other, they find it very difficult to kind of shut down. Sometimes minhagim have a kind of uh, life of their own. He says here, and he's talking in the 1500s here, Katav HaRosh, he quotes the Rosh. The Rosh was living in the 1200s in Europe. But Tshuva, and the Rosh writes a Tshuva. Uh, response, he says as follows. Tisha Alta, you've asked, he says, Im Tisha Ba'av mina mincha, Im Tisha Ba'av mina mincha ulamala, if one, once you get to mincha, you finish saying Tina, or Samach Lamincha, or close to Mincha Katana, okay? Im Tuchola Adam Lirchos. So if there's a change in mood, can I have a shower? Can I wash? Hanav Yadava Raglav. Like what people normally wash, the face, the hands. Can I kind of get up and wash? Like it? So to cool down. It's a hot day. You need to cool down. You could really, really do with the shower. So, Iamrina Mitzasayom Kukula. Are we going to say that a part of the day is like the whole day, which is something we do say in Avelut? If a person's sitting Shiva, so on the seventh day of Shiva, in the morning, they sit just for a, you know, a short time in the morning of the seventh day, even though the Shiva is meant to last seven days, say, that's enough. I did an hour or so of Shiva. And then it's enough. And they daven shacharit, and then they get up. Maybe we'll say the same thing for Tisha B'av. Part of the day is like the whole day. And we did it already. Kevin Dehavi Avelut Shushana, especially since this is not even a recent Avelut. This is a, this is a different kind of Avelut, an old Avelut. So he answers, Chalil Avachas. God forbid. Forget about your shower. Ain't happening. <laughs> and a Kolayam Asura Kan. That is where he says, all the days after, end quote, and the Rosh says, the whole day is prohibited to have a shower. That's definitely. Because of a kolbo, so then he brings the kolbo, another source from a little bit after the rosh, and he says, Misha someone who is lenient and takes a shower in a minchulamale in the afternoon of Tishabav, okay. They are um, they are breaking the law, they're breaking the It's also the rabbi said it's also to wash all day. But ach, minak kadum, there is an ancient minak, he says, says the Bet Yosef, Shehanashim Rabhsot. Roshan, the women wash their hair. Once you get to Chatzot, women get up and, uh, I don't know, the men get up and uh, they do some learning or whatever you could do on Tishabav. The women get up, run to the shower, and they wash their hair. On the day of Tishabav. And the, the rabbis instituted this. And they, and they brought a support for this strange minhag that seems to go against the and they say the reason is he Mashiach nolad beyom The Mashiach is born on Tishabah. Okay, so that, if that's not something to wash your hair for, what is? But Tzarek Lasod Zecha, you have to make some kind of recognition. Legoel, the Redeemer is coming. Lemanachem, the Redeemer says. The Midrash will see soon. The, the, the Mashiach is called Menachem. We don't want to give up on Geula. We don't want to. We don't want Tishabah to cause us to to lose sight. Of the girl. And he says, This was why was it only the women? Why didn't the men wash their hair? They had any hair to wash. Because they're less likely to be plugged into the Mashiach discussion. Because they don't, they didn't used to be literate, they didn't used to learn, and they didn't used to have access to, to, to the read the Midrash and etc. So maybe they maybe they would be a little bit give up hope. Therefore, the women need. Let them wash their hair. So what does the what does the Bet uh, say about that? Then? The Ani Omer, I want to say, he says, nishtaka. This minig has been forgotten. Nobody does it anymore, which is ironic because he just 
quoted it. Okay, the law nema. It's not, no one talks about this anymore. And if you want to be lenient with such a thing, with your man or a woman, we say to them, no, you can't do that. I'm sorry. It's prohibited. The halacha says you're not allowed to wash. And that's the halacha. Let no one make a mistake. You can't wash your hair. You can't take a shower. You have to wait till 10 past eight, quarter past eight, whatever it is tonight. Then you can do those things. But this minhag that, that women had to wash their hair, it was difficult for them to kind of close that down. I'm not aware of any women who do this today, but there again, I've never discussed it with many people. But it did morph into something else. Go over to page three. The bet, the uh, the chida, the Birkei Yosef, the chida was living Sfardi Rav in the 1700s in um, in uh, Europe, in Israel, and Israel, different places in Italy. Look at what he says. Number 14. Oh, what does the Arizal say? The Arizal is a Ubal, obviously, he's quoting the Ari. The Ari was after the Bet Yosef, but before the Birki Yosef. He says, He brings different men. We'll see which one he's talking about in a minute. Yisrael ra'u b'tisha ba'av ba'erev. When the Jews saw on Tisha ba'av that the light, that the Beis HaMikdash was on fire, the Heichel Amru Mizmor, they praised, they said, Baruch Hashem. Sheshafach HaMasal Eitim Ba'avanim, that God took out that anger on the sticks and stones. The Sampo Simcha Gedola, and they were at least grateful for that. Because if, if it had been against the people, the full wrath of the Godish Baruch against the people, they couldn't have survived. And that itself was a, was a consolation. And let me quote you the Minag, which is good. He heard from the Arizal, because on the afternoon of Tisha B'Av, Mashiach is born. Hanikra Menachem, who's called Menachem, who matzati kotzed the mizeatam. For this reason, he says, lo michu chachamim. The rabbis didn't object on what al rabbis benois on many women, on many young women, and women of different kinds. The acha chatzoyz that after chatzoyz mit askoid b'chol koychan they put their entire strength in in what not washing their hair, but lechabed abayit to clean up the house. To completely clean the floors, do the spring cleaning, make all the beds, meaning get the house all fresh and ready and, uh, you know, all, all done. And this is an ancient in Italy, especially for the women. Now we live in the 21st century. If you want the men to do the cleaning of the house, that's okay as well. But the point is that, that the, the hair washing, they stopped because the hair washing goes against the halakha. When a minag goes against the halakha, that's usually a sign that the minag is, a, is an inappropriate minag. Don't forget, Toysvus brings down the minag backwards is Gehenim. Okay? If your minhagim get out of control, then they're not good. But what cleaning the house, washing the floors, making the beds, getting everything beautiful, spick and span for Mashiach, that doesn't go against the halakha. And it doesn't even go against the spirit of the law of Tishabav because that is really what's meant to be um meant to be going on so uh, so maybe when uh, you know the week before pesach when you're looking at the house thinking there's a lot of dust around i need to clean and do some spring cleaning stop say you know something i don't need to do this before pesach it's not comments leave it for tisha on tisha bath we'll do we'll clean the house and and i'll relax before seder and i'll do the cleaning there okay maybe so what's what's going on with machine because again this ties in i think to the ideas of tumor that we're talking about and we and i'd like to you know focus a little bit practically on what's going on with that as we, you know, towards the end of this year. 
But let, let's have a look at this, this, this idea of Tisha B'Av being born, uh, of Mashiach being born on Tisha B'Av. Which Mashiach? What kind of Mashiach? What, what type of Mashiach are we meant to be thinking about? So look at number 16. First of all, Tisha B'Av has a character of a, of a Moed. It has a quasi-holiday uh, halachic uh, rubric. Number 16. We don't say Tachanum. Now, maybe that didn't make a big difference to you this morning, but it's Thursday. It's a long Tachanum day. We didn't say Tachanum this morning in short which has a funny feel. You know, when, they, when the chazan finishes Shemona Esrei and there's no tachanun, you feel, oh, it's a holiday. Oh, but it's Tisha B'Av. Because it's called a moed. Now, it's called a moed for bad reasons in Eicha, but the, the moed status will carry through at some point into it being a yonsef in number 17. You don't say tachanun b'mincha b'erev Tisha B'Av. You don't even say tachanun before. Because it's called a moed. What is the idea? It's 17, the Arab Shulchan. The simon, it's a sign ki anu muftachim ba Hashem Yisbarach. We have confidence sheoid itavku hayamim paele lemoadim lesimcha. The yamim toivim that these days will be turned; they'll be flipped into days which are yamim toivim. And through the pain itself, that would be the ability to bring out the uh, the simcha. Look at this pasuk in. Uh, maybe we'll just skip one second. Uh, no, let's let let's, we actually we'll 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 look at this pasuk here. Look at number eighteen. This is this day coming, a terrible day. The eight Sarahili Yaakov. It's a day of incredible pain. Yaakov. From that pain will be the salvation. And the Tzadik David brings the obvious shot, which is that you can't have the salvation without the pain. One thing naturally flows to the other. Now, let's talk about what that means. Let's talk about Mashiach. Let's try and understand how that works. I want to share with you a very unusual Midrash about Mashiach, one that almost certainly you never heard before. It's a Midrash which is, which is in Breshid Rabati. And it's about Tisha B'Av and Mashiach. Breshid Rabati is a later Midrash collection from around the 11th, 11th century. Um, it was collected together by someone called Rabbi Moshe Hadarsh which Rashi also mentions a lot. Ramosha Adarsha lived in Provence in the south of France. And it's based on earlier Midrashim. Some of the roots of this Midrash are already in the, in the, in the, Yerushala, in the uh, Jerusalem Talmud, the Talmud Yerushalmi. Okay, so that there are roots which are old, but this is his final, final form. And some of it you'll think, oh my goodness, it's, it's referring to different things that I've heard of before. Look at number 20. Minayin Shebo Bayom Nolad Shiach. How do I know what do I understand from the fact that Tisha B'Av is the birthday of Mashiach? This after Chatzot is minhagim of cleaning, the house of being ready. Eliyahu was walking on the road. On the very day the Beis Amigdash was destroyed. He heard a heavenly voice, so Akkad crying out for merit. The Holy of Holies has been destroyed. The children of the king, the Jewish people, have been taken as slaves. The, the wife of the king, the Jewish people, have been, has been made into a widow. How can she sit alone? She's like a widow, been left by her husband. When Eliyahu heard this, God's going to destroy the whole world. This, this has to be the end of the world. You'll see Eliyahu's reaction to Tishabav throughout this is going to be, this is the end of the world. And each time he says, this is the end of the world, the Baskal says to him, no, no, don't, don't exaggerate. It's not the end of the world. 
In fact, if you say it's the end of the world, it'll stop you from doing the very thing that you need to be doing because of the Tisha B'Av itself. And I, I must say, I feel that this is something that we do very badly in Israel. Everything that happens in Israel, the media, it's the end of the world. It's the end of life as we know. It's the end of everything. And, and maybe the whole world's like that. You know, the climate change, it's the end of everything. It's the end. And it's a terribly negative, panicky, anxiety-ridden feeling to have. And it's not okay. Okay? It could be bad. And we mean, I mean, it's just fix things. But to, to, at every stage, to exaggerate and bump up the car, it becomes self-fulfilling. People begin to panic and it gets worse and they make bad decisions. And you'll see all the way through this Midrash, the bad call is telling Eliyahu, yes, it's bad, but it's not the end of the world. That's one takeaway from this Midrash. We'll see. Uh, he says it's the end of the world. And then he goes and he finds people who are who are plowing and sowing. And he says to them, God is destroying the world. He's angry with the world. He's destroying his house. And he's exiling his children. Almost to the nations. You're farming? How can you do farming? You should be crying, sitting on the floor, tearing out your hair. And you're farming? So the Baskar comes out for Amr and he says to him, says to Eliyahu, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Because Mashiach has just been born. The reason that they're farming is because they see the seeds of the future in the destruction. So Amallah, so he says to the bad girl, hey, where's Mashiach? I want to meet Mashiach. So Amrallah, she says, the bad girl says to him, in order to meet the, the newborn Messiah, you have to go to Bethlehem. You can see already that there are anti-Christian polemics coming out in this. Um, but Bethlehem Yehuda, so he goes to Bethlehem. He goes to Bethlehem. Halach, he went to Bethlehem. Umatsa Isha. I mean, the second paragraph, and he founds a woman. Isha Acha she yoshevet al petzach beitza. She's sitting in the door of her house. Ubenam luchlach bedam, and her newborn child is filthy, covered in blood. Just, just literally, she's been born, hasn't been washed, clean. Umutza lefaner, it's just sitting there in front of us. She's not looking after it. The newborn, we won't live if you don't do anything. If you don't treat it. So Amalah, she says to her, Bitty, my, my daughter, Benyalada, did you have this baby? So Amrala, she says to him, Hey, yeah, I had the baby. So Amalah said to him, Mati badam. Why is it why is it so filthy with blood? Why have you left it like this? So Amra, she says to him, Ra Gedoila, this is terrible evil. Shabayom bo, the day that my son was born, Bayom Nechra It's the day the Baisalish was born. What could be worse as a mazel for a child to be born on the day that Beis Amikdash was destroyed? So Amal says to her, Bitty, listen, my child. Imdi, why don't you get up? Take hold of your child. Because I've heard that there could be an enormous salvation coming from this child. Right now, it looks like a big mess. Like a child which is covered in blood which is probably won't survive, and it's been born on the worst mazel day in the world. He says, no, I, I've been told that something good's going to come. He's following the basket. Miyad, I'm done. So she gets, she picks herself up. Again, you can spread positivity. He gets her to pick herself up. She grabs, she takes hold of the child. He gives her begadim, he gives her gifts, he gives her some clothing. That'll be shot to, uh, to, to dress the baby. A little baby thing from Target or whatever he had. Say, Tachshitin, Lakashtan, he gives a little bit of jewelry to put on the baby, put a little bit of a chain on it. It's nice, it looked nice. 
But Lorenz said, Kabel, she said, no, I don't want to. No, no, it's this, this kid is like Nebuch. It's a Nebuch kid. So Amalai said to her, no, take it, take it. It's fine. I'm going to come back one day. You can pay me another time. For now, take it and be happy. He left her and he went away for five years. Okay. The Sheikh has been born. He went away for five years. Okay, fine. Last paragraph. After five years, Amar, he said to himself, I want to go and see little, little Mashiach, bless him. Maybe he looks like a little prince. He's growing up as a little prince. Maybe he even looks like a, he looks like an angel. You know, everyone who has a little boy thinks that their boy could be Mashiach, their boy could be a Malach. Okay, by the time the kids are teenagers, they're just having, he should be a human being. Okay, fine. Halach. So he went. Umatsa et Aisha. He found he found the woman. Omedit al Pesach Pesach. She's there again, standing in the front of our house. So Amalai said to her, Biti, Mativashal Oisa now. How's the kid doing? How's the babe? So Amalai, Amralai, she said to him, Rebbe, he said, Listen, Lo Amaratilacha, didn't I tell you, Shira Mazloi, that he had a bad mazel? It was a shlamazel. Shebiyoim Shenoilad Bo, Biyom Nechrabes Amikdash, because he was born the day the Mikdash was destroyed. Let me tell you how the little prince is doing. Nebuch. He's got legs, but he can't walk. He's disabled. He's got ears, he can't hear. He has eyes, and he's blind. He has a mouth, he's a mute. He's just like a stone. Nebuch. Let me kid, I have the most severe, severely disabled child, and there's nothing he can do. And you promised me he's going to be the Mashiach. And I told you, we should have let the kid die at birth. Because what, what, what can he do now? What happens then? Nishpa, alav ruach. Wind comes from Dalad, Pinas, from all over the world. He sweeps away this little kid and drops him in the Mediterranean. Now Eliyahu goes crazy. He tears his clothes. Batala Shari tears out his hair. Bizak and he cries out, Vai he says, Avda Yeshua's Israel. The hope for the Jewish people has been lost. So what does he need? Yat Sabatkol. Batkol came out, the voice from heaven. Amala, and she Amrale, and he said to him, It's not what you think. This is not what it looks like. Ella, Dalad Shana the little Mashiach, whatever he is, he's to be, has to be somewhere else in the overseas for 400 years. And he has to spend 80 years, whatever the coded meanings of this Midrash is, I'm not getting into it now, with the, with the Bnei Korach in the, in the, in the uh, plumes of smoke. And he has to sit 80 years at the gates of Rome. That's a, that's a very important Mashiach image. And the rest of the years, and the rest of the time he'll be draining around until the time is right. But he's there. He's not gone anywhere. Right now, he's lame and blind and deaf and mute. But he can be activated. He can be brought. It just, if you, if you just have to keep the right focus, stop tearing your hair out and stop saying it's the end of the world, which is what Eliyahu is doing constantly in this Midrash, and understand that Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av, but it's a long, long, long process. And just when Mashiach comes, he's blind, or he's deaf, or he's mute, and it's not 
what you um, it's not what you expected. Um, in terms of the the sitting at the gates of Rome, um, look for a second in number twenty two. Um, I'm not going to read the whole of this. This is this is a better known midrashic idea that comes off the pasuk in Yeshaya, which Yeshaya says the ito achishana that I will bring the Mashiach at the, at the correct time, but I will hasten it. So which is it? Is it the correct time or is it hasten? Um, so um, have a look at the end of the first line, number twenty two. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Ashkan leAliyahu. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi sees Eliyahu. The Havikima Pisca the Mara de Rebshima Bar Yochai. That Eliyahu was standing at the gates of the, 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 the entrance of the cave of Rabshima Bar Yochai. By the way, maybe you even thought when we read that previous midrash, it sounds a lot like Shimbar Yochai. He's coming out, he's destroying the world, he's being critical, etc. And they say, no, you can't do that. So he's connected here with Shimbar Yochai. Amalei, so he, Rabbi Shubh Levi says to Eliyahu, Ema Dati Mashiach, when's Mashiach coming? Amalei said to him, Zil Shai Well, why are you asking me? Go ask him. Where is Mashiach? He said, well, didn't you read the first Midrash? We told you, Apitzcha the Roman. At this point, he's at, he's at the gates of Rome. Okay. Well, my Simani, how will I know who he is? Lots of people sitting at the gates of Rome. He's sitting with all the poor people and the people who are suffering from terrible illnesses, the lepers. And they're all, all the rest of them, they take off all their bandages all at the same time and they redo them. But you'll spot him. Why? Because Sharichad va'asichad. He never takes all his bandages off at the same time. He takes them off one by one and puts them back on. Why? Because he always wants to be ready. He can't be caught with his bandages off because he says, deal with me, boy. Maybe I'll be needed. But like, I don't want to delay. Okay, fine. He went to see Mashiach at the gates of Rome. Amalei said to him, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Omeri. Shalom Aleichem. Amalei said to him, Shalom Aleichem, Balavai. Ben Levi. It's your Ben Levi. He says, Shalom to you. Amalei said to him, where are you coming? Amalei, and he said to him, Hayom. Today, I'm coming today. And he went back to Eliyahu. This is great news. And of course, the day came and the day went. Sheikh never came. So Amalei said to Eliyahu, Shkurika Shakribi, he's a liar. The Sheikh's a liar. He said he was coming today and he never came. He said, I'm coming today. He never came. So Eliyahu says, no, no, no. Eliyahu has learned his lesson. This is what he was telling me. I can come today. If you only get your act together, I can come. I'm out there. I'm, I'm, I'm at the moment deactivated. I'm blind or I'm lame. I'm not able to come, but I can come if you just get your act together. And this is the theme that comes out of all of these Tisha B'Av ideas. Let's just draw this together a little bit before we go through the different idea. The idea that the Avelis of Tisha B'Av morphs to a different kind of Avelis on the afternoon of Tisha B'Av because he wants us to think to ourselves, I can change this. I can bring the dead back to life. The dead who are my, our community misdeeds, we can change all of that. We can do something. We can do a tshuva. And this can happen today. It's, in, it's within our control. This is enormously empowering. The one thing about death, which is one of the most disempowering things, is you can't control it. There's nothing you can do. It's beyond your control. This, this is telling us is a death that you can control. The death of our misdeeds can be brought back to life by just changing the way that we, that, that we act. What is the tshuva of Tisha B'Av? So the tshuva of Tisha B'Av Chazal are, are, are very clear. Um, number one, Chazal stressed that the second base of Mikdash, as you know, was destroyed because of the way the people treated each other. Okay? It wasn't that they, it wasn't that they didn't keep Shabbos properly. It wasn't that they didn't. On the contrary, they were Sadiqim, says. They were Hasidim and Sadiqim. They did Chesed. They were very from Jews. But they treated each other with sinat Now, that's clear. 
um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, I'll mention it again. The biggest mistake of Tishbab is to mistranslate Sinat Khinam. Sinat Khinam, every rabbi stands up and says, it's all about baseless hatred. And let me tell you, it's nothing to do with baseless hatred. There's no such thing as baseless hatred. Number one, Sina doesn't mean hatred. If you look in the in Tanakh, Sina clearly means something else. It says Leah was snu'a. She felt snu'a by Yaakov. What, he hated her? The word hate in English is very strong. I'm not sure I hate anybody. I, I, you probably don't hate anybody either. You may have dislikes and this person's irritating and this person you really don't like. Did you hate them? Leah, God forbid, was hated. Yaakov hated her. That's a terrible thing to say. Snu'a means he was rejected. He was rejected by Yaakov. And she was. He loved Rachel more. He never wanted to marry Leah in the first place. Uh, and she was less loved than her sister. That's terrible. But they didn't hate her. Sin'a is rejection. When it says, uh, the Pasuk in the Torah, do not have sinner for your brother in your, in your mind. So the Mephoshim there, the Orachim says, it's not about hating them. It says the minute you reject another Jew as not being achicha, as not being your sibling, that's called sinner. That's called sinner. You don't always like your siblings. They're sometimes irritating. Sometimes you feel very strongly that they behaved inappropriately, but they're your siblings. They're always your siblings. As the minute you treat another Jew as if they're not your brother or sister, that's called sinner. Uh, what's sinat chinam? So again, baseless hatred is, is just illogical. Nobody hates anybody for no reason at all. That's just psychotic. Really, they'll medicate you. I hate you. Why not? I don't know why. I just do. I can't help it. That's not normal. Sinat chinam means rejecting other people with no justification. What does it mean? Because there is, I'm not getting into the halakha now, there is, says the Gemara, something that you are allowed to have sinner for. You are allowed to have sinner for bad actions, bad behavior. You're allowed to have values. You're allowed to have standards. And I can't accept that. And this is not good enough. And we need to, yes. But once it spills over to be the people themselves, <laughs> that's called sinat chinam. It's inappropriate rejection. Reject the actions, reject the behavior. But don't reject the people. The minute you reject the people, that's called sinat kinah. So I feel that people sit there on Shabbat and people say, well, it's all about baseless hatred. And they think, you know, I don't do any of that. I don't, I don't hate anybody for no reason at all. So obviously it's not my problem. It must be her problem or her problem or his problem. It's not my problem. And every year we have the same conversation to ourselves. But it is our problem because it's rejection. So the first thing I think, which is, and this is not rocket science, guys. The first Shabbat you can take away of Tisha B'Av how to fix is whenever you feel strongly about anything or anyone, do not ever, ever make it personal. And all of the, all of the, the, the words that we use that we kind of delegitimize whole groups of people, yeah? And this is not just a Jewish problem. This is a world problem, yeah? In America, this is a problem. In England, this is a problem. You know, they, you just need to say one word and it delegitimizes everybody. These people are woke. Okay, then I don't want to, like, that's just like crazy left nonsense. And these people are fascist. Yeah, you can't use words like that. It delegitimizes entire groups of people. You have to listen to what they say. You don't like it that they vote this way or they vote that way. Okay, that's your problem. That's not their problem. Ask them why they vote that way. Don't call them a fascist or call them something else. You ha we have to talk to each other. And I think people do. And that's why if, I, if it was up to me, I'd just unplug all the media tomorrow morning and just kind of scrap it because it causes 95% of the problems. Get the people talking to you. So I think that the tshuva of Tisha B'Av, one of the main ones is... On every level we possibly can going forwards in England, in, in Israel rather, in America, wherever you're from, is try and find ways to connect Jewish people together. 
to build bridges between non-religious Jews and religious Jews, between Sfardim and Ashkenaz, between, between Israelis and Americans, between you know, all the different left and right, all the different people to try and build those bridges between Haredim and modern Orthodox and, 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 and get rid of all the language of delegitimization. That is one of the main, uh, I think, avodot of, um, of Tisha B'Av, number one. And number two, understand that the Mashiach that is born this afternoon on Tisha B'Av is not the Mashiach you imagine. It's not the Mashiach which is, uh, comes down from Shemaim, I don't know what you imagine, you know, with a flaming sword or whatever on a chariot to change the whole world. The Mashiach which is born on Tishbab is a blind, lame, deaf, mute, bloody baby, okay? That is potentially something very, very, very special for the Jewish people in the world, but only if you make it. You can decide whether the baby is stillborn or whether the baby is not. And that's the Mashiach. That's the Mashiach, by the way, who is riding on a donkey. You know, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the week, about getting into this now, when Zechariah talks about the Mashiach riding on a donkey. So uh, the idea of, of, of the donkey being unpredictable. And Ibn Ezra there says, this is Mashiach ben Yosef, and I'm not getting into all of that now, but I brought you on the rest of the sheet so you can read later all the stuff that we did a little bit quickly earlier in the week about the Rav Kook and Mashiach ben Yosef, and the idea of what Mashiach ben Yosef is, a different kind of Mashiach, a Mashiach which is, you know, building the world and 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 uh, and uh, and creating the infrastructure, as we can talk about that, but that's that's not really Tisha B'Av Torah, that's after Tisha B'Av Torah, but just at least if you're aware, just to summarize and pull it all together, that the Avod, there are two Avodas of the day. Avoda number one is Avelis. And the Avelis is for our own actions, which lie in front of us um, in ruins. And the second half of the day encourages us to take that Avelis and send it into Tshuva and to work out what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? What can we do right? How can we fix it? And the idea that once you, once you get that excitement, that kind of zing, then that's what you need to carry out of Tisha B'Av. Let me just finish with an important point, which I'm not very good at. You can ask my wife and she'll tell you, well, he can stand and talk about that, but he's not very good at that, okay? Which is as follows. When you hear, when you read through the whole Tokacha in, in Devarim, which is relentless, it's just page after page of just horrific things. And now we look back and we say, these, these are not predictions. These are, these are descriptions. These are things that happened to us with the most awful, awful reality. And you think to yourself, what can we possibly have done wrong that we deserve this? What could possibly be the Aveira? There's one thing and one thing only written right in the middle of the Tochacha, which is because you didn't, you weren't able to do Avodah Hashem with Simcha. You weren't able, and this is not, this was not written by Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. This was written in the Torah, okay? And the Rambam, who you wouldn't have thought is Mr. Dance Around the Room. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. So let's like, you know, let our philosophical head get, you know, the, but he, he brings down, he says, this is so important. This is the most important central mitzvah. And in, if you want to come out of the feeling of Avelos and Tochacha, when, when, we're, when we're remembering the things that actually happen, remember the one thing which he says in the middle of Tochacha that we can come out of this with a sense of positivity, with a sense of simcha, with a sense of vision, with a sense of mission, okay? It's not, we don't just accept it how it is. We're not Greeks. Uh, and Be'ezrat Hashem, then we can take all of the energy and, of Tisha B'Av and it won't be a closure. We're not looking for closure. When a person dies, you're looking for closure. But when it comes to Tisha B'Av, you're not looking for closure. You're looking for new openings, new ideas, and ways that we can make sure that next Tisha B'Av feels very different Be'ezrat Hashem to this one.